0: so it's happening Jody you guys are Finally. starting to reopen out there in California Finally. baby you're all starting to get some things going talk to me man how's that going are you excited and for like
1: for like months i've been watching everybody else reopen
0: you have too many friends in the south bro <laughs> <laughs> so
1: many so many and so man it's so nice uh it's so nice and we're so we're reopening our camp you know starting to reopen our campuses as well rolling those out so it's funny because i'm kind of like in a in a very small ways in a similar boat to you where you know my role before this was just kind of over one of our campuses but now i'm kind of overseeing all of them and i haven't ever seen those campuses yeah, really yeah prior to all this so yeah, i'm i'm <laughs> it's not ideal to to but I'm I'm stepping in and seeing them, experiencing them, and learning uh, all along the way. So it's fascinating. But it's man, it's so encouraging, and people are so encouraged to be back. Like that's yeah. the man. I hope this is part. the you know,
0: like, you know, all this stuff is still so politicized and both on both sides. To be fair, um, yeah. But I really hope that that we're coming out of this thing finally. And I know it's not going to be back to normal or whatever, but I really do hope that going into summer, man, that we're able to experience some real, you know, new norms, whatever that looks like. So it'd be great.
1: Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I'm excited. Lots of, uh, you know, and I'll tell you what's fun to me. Um, And I think we've talked about this before, which I feel like I say that a lot. Um, This idea of reimagining like rebuilding, reimagining, reinventing, rethinking. Like it's almost like a full year for us has passed, right? Pretty much, almost mm-hmm. a full year has passed. Um, no one remembers what we did before this. Yeah. So it literally is a clean slate. Yeah. To yeah, start changes that you would have wanted to make that would have taken a few years to get to, now you have the ability and freedom to just make them. Yeah. Um, and, Oh man, that's exciting to me. I'm excited to rebuild, reengage. I'm excited to um, to reach new families and students. Mm. I'm ex- I'm just excited for, and everything that that you know we took for granted before. Now all of a sudden, everyone appreciates like
0: yeah, yeah.
1: All the work that goes into camp or a mission trip or a man. Everybody's just grateful, so grateful, which is nice. Yeah, it doesn't stuff, mean man. it's not exhausting still, but no. it's good. No, no,
0: no. But yeah. For real, man. Well, I'm happy for you guys, man. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be real good. So yep, yep. yep. Well, hey, uh dude this podcast today. This interview that we did. So stop good. it. Stop it. Folks, listen. I'm telling you, man, you gotta listen to the whole thing. And uh it's so good. And then you're gonna want to order the book. So that's your that's your warning. You're gonna <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it in a second. Um Hey, we've got some amazing folks that help us uh do this, meaning Help us pay for all of the hosting and the podcast recording and all of that uh, so that we don't have to pay for it out of our own pockets, which means we get to keep doing it and help our listeners. So, hey, folks, listen to this part. Don't skip ahead because we have some amazing people like Aerosport.fun. It's an amazing game, think nine square type of game, not in the sense that, you know, it's engaging for your students and will be helpful to them, you know, just kind of doing stuff. So, think like, uh, kind of frisbee slash uh, target practice, indoor or outdoor. Go check it out at air, the letter O, sport.fun. Love those folks. And Jody, you and I both have this, and our kids like it. So, you know, it's yep. it's, it's, it's good stuff. So we can recommend that, no
1: doubt. Yeah, and it's a great game to play right now if, if like, you're having to be, you know, very COVID-friendly and, and distanced. This is great. A bunch of different ways to do it. So fun. Also, uh, if you've been listening for a bit, you know, a few episodes back, we talked all about smartphones and families and how to engage and equip those. And uh, our friends over at Info for Families uh, have put together an incredible resource for you called Smartphones 101 that you can grab and be like a rock star for your parents. And uh, you can find that at smartphones-101.com. You can save some money by using Longer Hall as the promo (laughs) code. Hello, Bear
0: Johnson. Great guy. Uh, and then, you know, if you've been listening a long time, you really, you definitely know why I'm 360. Uh, they are, so it's Youth Ministry 360. They do publishing. They do curriculum. They do, uh, they do camp. Camp. They do all this Ooh, stuff. That. And maybe you're sitting time. here, I mean, because maybe you're sitting there going, okay, things are going to be opened back up. Maybe I should have done camp. You know, maybe I could still pull this off. Well, reach out to ym I'm 360. And. See some of the options they've got for this summer, and they will walk you through the process. One of the best things about YM360 is their incredible customer service. So you don't just have to go on and figure it all out yourself. Uh, they uh, they, they will help you. So you call and say, hey, I'm trying to figure this thing out. They'll help you get it all figured out. So one of their – matter of fact, one of their internal – that's my dog, by the way. She's a puppy, so I can't help it. Uh, um, Desi, be quiet. Jeez. So uh, one of the great things is – that they say is crushing hassles you ever seen that tagline you know so yeah, yeah. uh so that's what they're all about so good stuff man for
1: sure and they pull off a phenomenal camp so good so good yep ym360.com all of those things uh you can find more information about there and you can use the promo code longer the number four the letter u longer hall for you and save some money there as well and uh yeah we'd appreciate it if you did that so that they know that you actually are listening and uh, you appreciate and and honestly let's be honest they sponsor this podcast because they believe in youth workers and uh, and they believe in what we're doing and so we we're we're incredibly grateful for that
0: well speaking of uh, someone who believes in youth workers and youth pastors we've got a doctor Dr. Tim doctor McKnight, Tim. Dr. Tim. he's a professor at Anderson University and he loves youth ministry he's been a youth pastor. He gets it. He does it. He, and he's written this book, man. Joe, this thing is good. Engaging Gen Z. So we invited him on. We, you know, we know him from, from being at a couple conferences with him from time to time and just kind of seeing him in the background. And he does, you know, some podcasting type stuff as well. Uh, We invited him on and man, the conversation we have with him in a second that you're going to hear. Wow. It just turned out amazing. And he has a
1: fantastic haircut.
0: Okay. So full disclosure, so we jump on the Zoom. We had problems with our squadcaster thing. We normally we jump on the Zoom call. And sure enough, I'm standing here with – I'm sitting here, and we can see each other. You know, we don't post the video, but we can see each other. And I'm sitting here with two ball guys who have the only – what do you call the bottom part of when you have a goatee like that? You don't have the mustache. You just have the, the bottom part. What it. is that called?
1: I, I don't know. Got like a –
0: well, it's kind of like a big soul soul patch almost, right? It's like a,
1: yeah, it's a, yeah, sure. Yeah. So both of these you, you guys, so I feel so got, out of place,
0: right? but then I'm like, I'm not out of place. I have hair. So at least I got that going, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, but anyway,
1: it's great. If That's I, great. if I could grow hair like you, I'd probably still shave my head. Oh <laughs> but- <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay. Hey, um, it's great, but it, it works. All right. So. Awesome interview! You're gonna to want to listen to the whole thing. You're probably gonna to want to buy the book, so that's your warning. Uh, if you you know if you listen, you're gonna to want to buy it because it's just a great resource. So, for for love sure. it, man! It's good stuff.
1: Should we jump in? Let's jump into it. Let's do it. All right. Here's today's interview with Dr. Tim McNight. Well, hey Tim, thanks for jumping on and joining us today. We're super excited to have you on the show and really excited to talk through um, specifically uh, the book. I think there's a ton here to learn and take away. As Chris and I were looking through, we kind of got some things that we, we've seen, and, but our heart really is just to let you share. But we do certainly appreciate you giving some time to jump on here with us and, and put up with Chris for a little bit today.
0: I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the opportunity. So so you're sitting there and you're, you're in Anderson right now, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I am in Anderson University. A uh, little break between classes. I uh, just got done teaching youth ministry administration, getting ready to hit church planting, and then I go to lunch. But uh, right now, Anderson is sunny, which is good because we felt like Seattle for the past three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: dude, I could geek out over youth ministry administration class. Joe, do you know that? Like I would just oh, I know geek out could. over that class so yeah, much. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I love that. there. There. So how long have you been in Anderson?
2: I've been in Anderson for eight years oh, and awesome. came straight from the pastorate. I was pastoring. And still, I'm planting a church, a multi ethnic church, multi generational church that we launch in August. And so, still in the pulpit, still pastoring, but one foot in the classroom, one foot in the church. And so, that's kind of how our dean wants it here. He wants yeah, folks to great. have practical experience here teaching. So, um, so it's it's refreshing to see that that outlook here.
0: Love that, love that. Well, hey, the book really is great, man. Engaging Gen Z. Uh, I, I love this and. But the tagline is what I think will get most people's attention. Engaging Gen Z, but the tagline is like raising the bar for youth ministry. And then here's what's interesting. You go on to say, but my research and experience reveal a common denominator. Churches across America treat teenagers like fourth graders rather than disciples. So we're coming at you right out of the gate. But here's here's what I know, because you're always hanging out at Conclave, and we've hung out a little bit. And I know this, though you're a fan of youth ministry. This is yeah. what you bleed. Okay. But what did you mean by that? Like you're saying, well, it's time to raise the bar for youth ministry and yeah. churches across America treating teenagers like fourth graders. That's a little, that's a little, you know, that's a little aggressive there, but I think it's good. I agree with you, but yeah. W- 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 where did that come from?
2: Yeah. So part of that's an, a nod to the first edition of raising the bar, which uh, Alvin Reed wrote to millennials. And so part of that's a nod to, to them, but To Alvin, but at the same time, one of the reasons why millennials said they were leaving the church, so Alvin writes in 2004, raising the bar, but millennials say, listen, we're leaving because you guys are dumbing down scripture. So it's almost like we still didn't really learn the lesson. We may have gotten a little deeper, but we didn't go deep enough. And so are we helping students learn how to interpret scripture on their own? Are we giving them skills that they can use in order to dig deep in scripture and learn how to find the context of a passage? What's the, what's the original intent of the author, you know, those type things. We don't talk about that. I don't hear a lot of youth pastors talking about that a lot. They like to feed the students and sometimes they're feeding them well, but let's help parents, disciple students to learn how to interpret scripture. Let's help parents interpret scripture. Let's give them those tools so they can feed themselves and dig deep but also sometimes we dodge issues uh we don't talk about things that are hard things and that was another complaint that millennials had that were leaving the church they said listen we don't we don't dig deep enough and we we avoid contemporary issues that that are real to them and so those are both reasons you know it may have been a hard statement but you know we've got to put the shocker out to get people's attention oh, no doubt. so those are both reasons yeah that that
1: uh, I would say that we we've got to watch dumbing it down. No, I love that, and I think uh, we've seen that. We continue to see that. And one of the one of the challenges I think that we feel in youth ministry. Now, I don't think that I think the pastor level feels this too, in a broader sense. But we are engaging multiple generations now, right? As much as it feels like a lot of a lot of churches are still throwing things at millennials but gen z man these guys are in their 20s now at the top end of this and so we're we have millennials parenting gen z and we have in some cases gen z kids you know like so trying to to really aim at both of those brings an interesting challenge
2: that's right yeah
1: so in terms yeah, of i think that oh go ahead
2: sorry i think that when we see the millennials and the crossover there are some similarities and I think that the crossover of the idea of dumbing down topics or the idea of how do I apply truth with love when it comes to some issues like um, gender identity and other issues that are kind of sticky, uh, students trying to learn how to do that. So there is some crossover there, but I, yeah, you've got now Gen Zers raising Gen Zers, you got millennials raising Gen Zers, and you know, it gets a little muddy. And so we've got to be real good students of both of those demographics. Oh, and by the way, Generation Alpha is coming too, right? So yeah. start starting to study those guys.
0: <laughs> Generation Alpha. Okay, I, I had not heard that yet. That's interesting. Like I, I need to pay attention. I guess. Has, have other people's been calling that? Other people have been calling. Yes. Me? Yeah. That's, that's wow.
2: supposed to be the one that's falling up. So okay. Now whether that name's going to stick, you know, Gen Y yeah, was there for the millennials. It really didn't stick. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, totally, totally, totally. It's like it's like a hurricane. That's, we just keep keep coming up with new names and rolling down. Keep the up list. with new names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, uh let's play a little game
0: here, Tim. Little little game here. So chapter two is all about Gen Z. It's really kind of a almost an introduction, if you will, to Gen Z. I think chapter two is probably worth the price of the book just from the standpoint. I say, I don't know how much the book costs, but I mean, I'm sure it's worth the price of it, you know, like uh, we'll talk about that at the end. Um, But I I think it's great because if you're looking for kind of a simple, simplistic, I don't mean dumbed down, but I mean, a simplistic kind of basic understanding of characteristics of Gen Z. That's what you do in chapter two. So here's the game. I have uh, written out all 10 of the, of the characteristics. And I want, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw these out to you. I don't think we've ever done anything like this on the podcast before, Jody. I'm going to throw these out to you and you just give a one, two, three sentence response to each one. All right. Just kind of like a kind of a description. You ready? Does he win a prize? are we giving a? Gift I, you card? know what I should have done. I, now that I'm thinking about it, I wish I would have done this so much. I wish I would have like taken number seven and replaced it with something that actually is not in the book, just the test. <laughs> <you>. But uh, <laughs> okay, here it is. Here we go. Uh, number one. These are these are a great list of characteristics. I love this list and uh, of Gen Z. Just your thoughts. Number one. Excuse me. Number one. They are wired in.
2: So they're dialed in the cell phone, social media. They are connected but isolated at the same time.
0: That's good. Uh, number two, they are they are post Christian.
2: No point of reference really to the gospel. Two and three generations of unchurched people in their lineage, and so their parents are unchurched and they're unchurched. So there's no point of reference anymore.
0: Oh man. Okay, mm. I want to stop right there. And talk to. Them. Okay, we're gonna keep going. Number three, I shouldn't have started this thing because I want to stop on everyone. Okay, uh, number three, they struggle would their mental and emotional
2: health? So Gen Z has more mental health issues than any generation that we've seen. And they deal with depression and anxiety more than any generation we've seen. So great connecting point for the gospel.
0: And COVID doesn't help, right?
2: That's correct. Yeah. COVID doesn't help a one up. bit. I have to ask a <laughs> follow-up. Okay.
0: Uh, number four, They struggle with the issue of identity.
2: So in general, teenagers struggle with identity, but now we're looking at gender identity questions and they're really trying to wrap their heads around. What does it mean to be me?
0: Mm. Uh, Number five, they are diverse.
2: It is the most diverse generation in the history of our nation. And the question that I have and Barna brings up Barna group brings up is when they come into our churches, do they seem the same diversity that they see in their communities? If not, they're probably going to vote with their feet and go out.
1: Mm. Can I ask? I do want to ask a question on that. No, no, we can't. We no, I have I, game, I, Jody. No, Jody, stop. I'm There's not kids, even ahead. a prize <laughs> for your game. There's no prize. <laughs> that, no one wins. Here. Tim on that. Part, I don't even like what I, I don't think I'm ever doing this again. Cause everyone I've wanted to stop and talk, but go ahead. What you got. So I, cause I, I have heard that. And I'm not even disagreeing with that, but what would you say to the youth pastor or the church that's in a very homogenous community or, you know, like the church as a whole is, does, I mean, they're probably not seeing the same diversity, I guess.
2: Right. I'd say you're reflecting your community. So for example, my church plant that we're doing mosaic, we're looking at reflecting our community and reaching out to our community. So if I look at Anderson city or Anderson County, it's about 27% ethnic and the rest is Anglo. So, so if we're a reflection of that community, we're, we're really casting our net broadly, you know, so not trying to make it oversimplistic um, because there, we, we can talk about, I can geek out over church planning, right. And talk about affiliate groups in the community and those type things and how you exegete, I'll save that for class in a few minutes, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but really, you know, what I would say is if you're in a homogenous community, are you reflecting the, the community? And so I think that's all that Gen Z is going to ask is, you know, if you're going to say you're a church for every tribe, tongue, and nation, are you reaching the people who are around you? Yeah. And, and, and just, that's I pretty just, much, I think, what they would
1: ask of us. I love that. I just want to make that because I think sometimes we hear, I remember some of the communities I've been in have been more diverse than others, and everybody wants to be right. diverse, especially now. We hear that so often yeah. and, and rightly so. Um, but sometimes it's your context just doesn't necessarily afford a broad diversity because your community doesn't reflect it
2: yeah that's a great point yeah so like i lived in dc i lived in berlin germany definitely different cities right different populations mm. and so they don't look like anderson they don't look right. like my my hometown so so we want to reflect our community and i think it's, you just have to look at what that demographic makeup
1: looks like Okay. On with your game, sir. Sorry to interrupt. Hey, this Chris. is good. We're
0: halfway through. So again, this is characteristics of Gen Z chapter two worth the price of the book. I'm telling you this part's good because um, you really do go into detail in each one of these. Uh, number six, they are growing up too slow and too fast. Wait a second. That's confusing. So
2: I have a twin boys that just turned 20 today. Okay, so the McKnight family right now is experiencing what we call birthday Palooza. We have four birthdays over a four-day period of time here in March. And so my twin (laughs) boys (laughs) turned 20 today, and they just got their license two years ago. When, When I turned 15, I was rushing to get to the DMV to get my permit. When I turned 16, I was rushing to the DMV to get my license. And so they're getting their driver's license later. Uh, really, because they don't need it as much. They're, they're staying at home watching Netflix. They're not going to the movies and paying, you know, 20 bucks for a movie ticket, you know, so that they can watch a movie with their friends. And so they're not getting out as much. They don't have to really drive. And now, oh, by the way, there's this thing called COVID as well. But mm. in that way, we would say, well, they're growing up too slow. But then in some ways they are growing up too fast. They're exposed to pornography at a younger age than any generation in the history of the country. So, so one way they're growing up too fast, another way they're growing up too slow.
0: Good. Uh, Number seven, the parents of Gen Z are both over-engaged and under-engaged in their parenting. So these parents will argue with a
2: teacher over the grade of their student and do their students' homework for them but they won't monitor their cell phone usage or their use of any type of internet technology at all. So in, in a sense they're over-engaged because they're getting their students business, but they're under-engaged because they are not, uh, really parenting in exactly a critical point they need to.
1: Hmm. Yeah. We never see that in in youth group.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Holly. Uh, I want to stop. Okay. I'm gonna keep going. Um, is so I stopped him. You, it's your game. You probably could. No, no, I'm going to go. I <laughs> want to finish. Okay. Eight, uh, number eight characteristics here of Gen Z number eight Gen Z is a generation of entrepreneurs. Yeah.
2: So I would go back to my sons at the age of 12. They started a lawn care business. Dad, can we write business cards? Can we get business cards for Vistaprint for a lawn care business? Sure. Sons, because I'm not going to discourage them trying to take that responsibility. Uh, My son gets older and he does a YouTube channel uh, for gamers. Oh, and by the way, he monetizes this thing. Um, He doesn't make a whole lot of money. Maybe he can buy a Big Mac or so, but the fact is he started that thing from the ground up. My daughter, she does uh, bead jewelry. And so she's putting those things together and giving them out on mission trips to Eastern Kentucky. She's handing out necklaces and earrings uh, to these girls in Eastern Kentucky who don't have any jewelry. And so just ways that they're starting things are entrepreneurial in their approach.
0: There's no doubt. I said recently also with that, like my 20 year old and my, my uh, 17 year old, they prefer to shop at small business over, you know, large business. All that feels like that's tied together big time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I Uh, think so. Yeah. Number nine, uh, they are the largest generation in the nation's history. Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah
2: just sheer volume implies the gravity and if you don't believe me just look at our current marketing who are the businesses marketing to right now it's mm. it's taken us younger you know and so the 80s music for marketing was a blip on the radar the gen xers we are forgotten <laughs> so <laughs> now they're marketing for this volume this mass volume of people
0: Well, Gen Xers are too busy doing all the work, but anyway, that's just a little Gen X. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. Uh, uh, number two. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That, that happened at my church. Like my pastor was enamored with the millennials and I was like, uh, Gen X, here we are, you know, Hey, okay. Uh, number 10, they are students. Yeah, they have more information
2: in front of them than any generation. It literally is at their fingertips. Here's the problem. They don't have a filter, so they can't really filter the information to see what is actually valid and credible. For example, you know, guys, if you write an academic paper, Wikipedia is probably not your best source for academic writing. So Mm. they don't have a filter, but they got more information than any generation uh, at their fingertips.
0: Those are great, and and I think when you know our audience here is a bunch of youth pastors, right? And I think what's great about this book is you could easily buy this book, and and we're recommending it because we like you and we like the book, right? So
2: you could easily
0: you could easily buy this book and use chapter two alone to do a training with your youth workers, and look like a rock star, you know, as you, as you introduce and get them to start. And not only that, you can do a parent training, you know, and use this, you know, as a discussion guide, if you will, to just kind of think through all of the different uh, characteristics of, of Gen Z. So really good, good stuff there.
2: That's great. Yeah. And that's a desire of the book is I want it to be a catalyst for, Youth ministers to engage their parents, engage their adult leaders in some of these categories, these characteristics. You know, my background is missions and evangelism. That's what my education really is in. And so I'm constantly looking at ways to contextualize the gospel and build bridges. And so coming to this generation missionally and looking at saying, okay, I've got to understand the culture so I can bridge the gospel to the culture and make disciples who make disciples within the culture. And so I. Th- I hope that it's a tool that youth ministers can use with their adult leaders and parents to build those bridges on each of these 10 categories that you've talked about. It's good stuff.
1: We got Jody. Well, I'd just like to point out that you broke your own rule and stopped in the middle of your list to comment on your own kids. (laughs) I was hoping you (laughs) missed
0: that. I couldn't
1: help it. Okay. I'm never doing that again, by the way
0: yeah right like it was it was it turned out okay but i felt like the whole time i just I, we should have just talk about mayway god yeah you saved it
1: you <laughs> saved it at the end it was good you it was like heard. this
0: is not a very professional podcast what's <laughs> going on here so that's all good i'm having a good time
1: yep so uh, hey, so i uh i love in chapter four truth and consequences the name of the chapter um you reference a book that i'm gonna guess most of our audience has never read or heard of um and that's a book by uh, dr black called the myth of adolescence um, and I right. love that book. And I have that book right here behind me on my bookshelf. Um, and one of the things he he talks about in that book and that you point out are kind of these three, the three stages um, that can be seen kind of throughout, right? Uh, this childhood, pre-adulthood, emerging adulthood, senior adulthood um, kind of thing. I, I would love for you just to, for, for those listening, and what does that, how, how does that impact how we view st- those students in regard to that? in a, in a, in a culture that wants to extend childhood forever and ever and ever and ever. What, what impact does that have on how we lead our student issues?
2: Yeah. Just kind of springboarding off of, off of black and what he says, you know, for me, I would say, I say to my, my children all the time, along with freedom comes responsibility, but do we even have an expectation? What is our lowest common denominator for that middle schooler? what is that lowest common denominator for that freshman? What is that lowest common denominator for that junior or senior? And are we, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, raising the bar again on that lowest common denominator? Because they're going to meet what that lowest common denominator is. And so as they look at that, if I want them to learn doctrine and I want them to learn deep things about the Word of God, Am I expecting a middle schooler to be able to handle that? Am I expecting a high schooler to be able to handle that in such a way, obviously, that the language is going to translate, where I'm not throwing the paper on the roof? When it comes to reading scripture, do I expect them to have tools as a middle schooler to interpret the word of God for themselves. You know, you guys would think I was absolutely insane right now. If for birthday lunch, I had my 20 year old boys and I was spoon feeding them. But that's exactly the approach that we take many times in our churches is we're willing to put the plate down there, but we're not willing to teach them how to feed themselves. And so this idea of in whatever developmental level they are, teaching them at that level to feed themselves where they are.
0: I feel like there's an opportunity right now. I'd be curious what you think about this, Tim. Um, because of COVID, it feels like the scorecard has changed. And whereas before, as youth pastors, we all had to constantly think about that, that scorecard when it comes to putting butts in the seat, there, it feels like there's an openness now. You know, and a lot of times we would get caught up in that game and have to, you know, feel like we had to, you know, be attractional, 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 more and more people, more and more people. Because when you're doing what you talk about, sometimes that can lead to definitely more quality, but it can lead to, you know, less of a crowd. But um, it feels like there's an opportunity that exists right now. Are you seeing that and feeling like that's true for some of the churches and youth pastors you're talking to?
2: Absolutely, I think there's it's tremendous okay to tell me I'm potential wrong, right believe. now.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> no, yeah. I, no, I think there's All tremendous the potential to, for the yeah. gospel. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, they, and that's one thing I bring out in the book is you know we have right now I think the largest generation in the history of our country, we have the gospel that has not lost its power one iota. the The word of God does not need to be made relevant for this generation. It is relevant within itself, and so. So we've got the gospel, we've got the truth of God's word, and we've got a group of students right now who yearn for authentic relationship that only the church can give in a gospel community, but it really starts with the family and then it goes with the church. And so, you know, I'm going to go all the way back to 2004, you know, looking at orange and and trying to see how is the, the church and the family coming together. So we started down the right road there. But now it's going to go a little deeper and say, how do I disciple those parents, that legal guardian, whoever that person is, who's raising that student to first come to Christ and then disciple the student to be a disciple maker? You know, Greg Steer is kind of one of uh, my heroes and also a good friend. And I love his passion for helping students become disciple makers. And I really think that, that for this generation, we can have that expectation uh, for them. And we can have that expectation also for their parents to help their parents understand, hey, listen, number one, it's ultimately your responsibility. But number two, you can lead your student to Christ and your student can lead others to Christ. And by the way, if I, if I look at Terry Linhart on Evangelism Remixed, if they see an adult leader lead someone to Christ, they are like 80% likely that they will lead somebody to christ yeah. as well and so mm. having that example from the parents you know i've asked our students here in anderson i've said how many of you have seen your parent lead somebody to christ and i had a few students raise their hand and i can tell you the students that raise their hand are are the most evangelistic student evangelistic students of the classroom and mm. so it's if they see an adult leader doing that they are going to do what they they see us do you know the apostle paul says follow me as i follow christ right so you know the question i have that's convicting for me as a pastor and as someone who is writing in youth ministry is can i really say that of myself and and really want to see the result can i say follow me as i follow christ and really want to see the result in evangelism can i say follow me as i follow christ and want to see the result in discipleship and so trying to raise up parents that students can follow if there's not a parent there in the picture i write in the book about you know sometimes we got to step up within the church and become that person who is discipling the student because they don't have a, a believing parent in the home. But really looking at drilling down with discipleship, knowing that as you're talking about quality, if I'm really grounding them in the word of God, quality leads to evangelism. If I'm a quality disciple, I'm going to be looking to make disciples because that's what Christ calls disciples to do. When he called the disciples, what did he call them to be? Fishers of men. And so that's my role. I'm to love God, love my neighbor. And the most loving thing I can do for my neighbor is make a disciple.
0: Chapter 11 uh, is basically what you're talking about. and It's one of the questions I ended up, you know, it's called advice to parents. It's time to grow up. And and, and you just answered one of the questions I was going to ask by talking about what you just talked about with that discipling. Here's a question, though, that I tagged on at the end of this. I'm curious, though. So youth pastors, we hear that. At the age of 50, I hear that, and I feel much more equipped now to challenge parents in this area. Whenever I was 27, though, it felt daunting at times to try to lead up having no kids myself and speaking to parents on something that I've not yet experienced. As a college professor, you're definitely you know you've got a lot of college age type students sitting in your class they may be launched out soon taking their first churches what would you advise them when it comes to how can they equip parents even though they're not yet there yet themselves i think all youth pastors feel that at times
2: yeah that's a great question because i know as a 21 year old youth minister my first church I felt very insecure and inadequate in relating to my parents. Cause I know, I'd, I know I never raised a student, never raised a teenager. So I talk about in the book, I, I talk directly to pastors and I talk about the team on staff. Um, so using the the staff, if you're a young youth minister, look at the church as a whole. Don't think that it's all on you the body of Christ needs to come together and help parents, disciple students. So it's not just all on the youth minister. The youth minister needs to be teaming with the lead pastor. The youth minister needs to be teaming with the adult ministry leaders in the church. The youth minister needs to be teaming with the children's ministry to see how can we engage these parents and just having the conversation, throwing the elephant in the room that, Hey, I'm a 21 year old. I've never raised a teenager. So help me to engage these parents, bringing in other resources, so if I can bring someone in to engage the parents and provide maybe an equipping summit for my parents, that's helpful uh, because they don't see me equipping them. They see someone like Chris Trent coming in and equipping them, you know, who's had some skin in the game when it comes to raising teenagers. So maybe I have to bring someone in from the outside. Ideally, though, I'd have the people right inside my church who are involved, already involved in the adult ministries, whether it be a life group leader, a Sunday school teacher, whatever it might be, the lead pastor. But looking at teaming with these folks to see how can we engage these parents, particularly these lost drive-by parents, you know, who who drive by the church, kick their youth out out of the vehicle, and we don't see them. How can we reach them with the gospel because we want to see them discipling their student? And I can't do that as a 21-year-old because it's because I just don't have that that authority or credibility in their in their sight. So it's going to take a team to do it.
0: That's so good. <laughs> Come on, man. Woo. I hope everybody like if you, if listen, if you're if you're in your car right now or you're in your office listening to this and you didn't listen hard to the last three minutes, you need to rewind and listen to this part because I'm telling you. That would have saved... Tim, I'm also frustrated. Where were you 20 years ago uh, when I needed to hear that? But, I mean, you know... <laughs> I was it, trying
2: to figure it out like you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, right? I was doing the same thing. Was, I was man. going,
2: man, these parents are whack, you know? Oh, I, was, and then it, I became I, one. And know? that's what...
0: Oh, so it's interesting you say that because that's what I was feeling when you were talking about that. I was feeling too often I thought of parents as my adversary you know, or like my opponents, you know? My, my opponents sometimes right. times. And instead of thinking... Um, that it, instead of just acknowledging man yeah i don't i don't know what i'm doing right now but I, I have people around me that could and just like you said call out that elephant in the room and say look i you know i've never raised a teenager but i know this is something y'all are battling with and i brought so and so in here to address this issue that's huge huge and you'll look like a thing and now it's never been easier with zoom being such a great option you could even bring folks in from anywhere and do some kind of parent training type thing and look like a thing rock star because you're You're helping parents with something they're all struggling with. So good. So good.
1: Yeah. I think you can leverage that. Yeah. It's a great opportunity
2: to to do it on a shoestring budget. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You've got opportunities to engage parents with that same verbiage to pull them into the ministry as well. So you're not just engaging them from a, from an outside, you know, kind of passive, but pull them in, allow them a seat at the table, some skin in the game to be small group leader, to, to help with, you know, uh, set up, tear down to, to get in there and help go on some of these trips. Um, and, and you disciple them as a volunteer, not just as a, a bystander parent who comes and drops their kid off and leaves. I think regardless of where you are, if you're listening and you're in your twenties and you're not a parent yet, don't feel like, is that a disadvantage? It It, it is to a degree because you don't have the experience of, of being a parent of a teen, but it's also an advantage to you because it gives you a platform to say to a parent, I can't do this because I'm not parenting. You are. Let me come alongside you, but I need you, right? Where right now, like, you know, my oldest graduates this year, you know, she's looking ahead. Man, now I step into the room as a parent. All of my kids are in the student ministry. I'm one of them. And, and so, it's a, the conversation changes, but, but you, just because you're not a parent doesn't mean you can't relate to parents, but you have to see the value and the need for that. And like you're saying, and find ways to resource parents beyond yourself. You don't have to be the expert on everything. There's a, there's, a, there's a pressure to feel like you have to have all the answers, especially I think when you're first starting out and no one expects or wants you to have all the answers, but they do expect you to be able to find someone who does and steer them towards
2: that. Yeah. One of the things that helped me as a young youth minister, I was 25. I had just gotten out of my officer basic course for chaplain school and the military really taught me to take responsibility when I didn't know something just to say, I have no clue. I don't know. And so coming out of that into my second church, it looked a lot different with my parents than it did the first church and for me to actually say i don't know in front of my parents actually raised my credibility yes. because they said you know he does understand and he is owning the fact that he's not he's not a, a parent of teenagers and so it really helped my leadership to to be you know teachable with them and i'm not going to say humble um, you know i pride myself in my humility right <laughs> i'm not going to say i was humble but <laughs> But you know, to have enough, have enough responsibility and, and authenticity to say, listen, I, I don't know, help me understand the, the conflicts that you have. Help me understand what it's like to want to do a great job you know, in raising a student, but really not know how to handle some of the things that come along. And so that really helped me in those relationships, just the freedom to say, I don't know. And it just upped my leadership with my with my parents as a young young youth pastor.
1: It's not a surprise. Everyone in that room knows you're not a parent of teenagers. So, like, yeah, it's not. It's yeah, not like you saying you don't know what it's like to parent a teenager. It. Is yeah. like that's good.
0: It's really good. Well, even and even if you are a parent of teenagers, acknowledging that you don't you don't necessarily know what you're doing either. Like I've had to say, I have yeah. I've, I've said this on the podcast before. I mean, one of the things I've told my kids sometimes when we're in the heat of a um, discussion, aka <laughs> <K. laughs> argument, uh, I will stop the conversation and say, Look, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just have to remind them, like, I've never done this. You know, that happened all during COVID too. You know, like you are know, trying to figure out can you or can't you go somewhere i've never lived through this before so yeah it's good uh so you've got class coming up here in a few minutes there uh tim so jody how, how about one more thing from the book that you saw that you wanted to ask about let's do one more and then we'll kind of wrap this up and ask you where we can find the book and all that type of stuff jody what was one other thing for you
1: no i think well i'll i'll i'll, I'll scrap my question because i i think what i, I what i kind of want to ask is like if, Because I love the flow of the book. I think the book makes sense. I think it builds Mm -hmm. on itself really well throughout. Um, It's definitely a book that also at the same time would be a reference that you'd go back to over and over and over again. But just as a, man, just as an overall takeaway, like if you had to say to someone listening, like, man, if you come away with one thing from the book, what would that one thing be? I think the one thing would be
2: that students can be students of God's word and they can be authentic worshipers of the Lord and loving God with their, their minds, with their souls and their strengths. And so I mentioned those three things involved in worship, orthodoxy, right belief, orthopathy, the right affections and orthopraxy, the right, right practice. So looking at, at the students worship, and loving God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Students can do that, and they can do that now. We don't have to wait till they graduate from, from high school. They can be worshipers now.
0: Mm. I'll take it. It's a good takeaway. That's great. Yeah, that's good. Folks, listen, I I really do like the book, Tim, and I'm not just being nice because you're a guest. I, I think it's very, very practical. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it, it, it's a great read. I think it's helpful for all of us as we're thinking about youth ministry. Look, Jody and I have been doing this a while, and I think both of us realized pretty quick um, that, man, there's there's a lot of great content in this thing. And I think the, the other approach that I like is, is is it's got a little bit of a, you know, as a professor, I can tell you're a little bit of professor in it at times, but it's not, it's also doesn't feel like a uh like just something I would do in class. So it's got that, it, to me, it, it was well balanced in practicality, real life stories, but along with some, some, some meat in there at times, um, like all those fancy words you just used a minute ago, you know, like, and uh, <laughs> I can't remember what you said, <laughs> uh, but I mean, just good, good stuff. And so uh, where, um, so folks, I think everybody's going to love, well, first of all, we're, we've got to have you back other things oh that's great Uh, i appreciate it for sure um and do we could do a whole jody let's do a whole on the on the administration thing no like let's just do a whole come on okay uh but here's the deal where can people find you for now uh out there on the old social media and if they want to grab a copy of this book where can they get a copy of this book
2: Yeah. So they can go to Twitter or Instagram at Dr. Tim McKnight. And the book is on Amazon or any major book retailer and they can pick it up there. Uh, Main reason why I wrote the book is to encourage youth ministers, parents, and adult leaders. And that's my prayer. So I I, I'm really happy that you guys, you know, found that from what you read. And my prayer is if somebody picks up the book that it helps them in their ministry. Uh, I didn't have really any guidance when I first started in youth ministry And so that's one reason why I teach youth ministry at the university is because I really wish I'd had somebody that was coaching me when I first started out. So I was kind of writing the book, looking in the mirror at myself, you know, 30 years ago and trying to see what would I want someone to share with me after, you know, what I've experienced in youth ministry from my mistakes and then from the things that I've seen God do that were successes too.
1: Awesome. Well, hey, again, the book is Engaging Generation Z, Raising the Bar for Youth Ministry. I will put a link for the book in the show notes page so that you can easily grab it and purchase a copy for yourself and one for everybody you know. Um, and so make sure, again, like I think like Chris said, honestly, I would I'd grab this thing and I would start training from it. I'd start rolling through. I think there's, there's so much good here for sure. So, Tim, thanks for taking time in between class today uh, to hang out with Chris and I. And to put up with Chris, we, uh, I appreciate it.
0: Tim, it's Friday, man. You ought to let you. them out early. You ought to let them out early today, bro.
1: Like, it's Friday. <laughs>
0: Come on, man. It's a beautiful day. First time it's been sunny in a while. Like, give give you, give you your students a little break today, man. Come on.
2: Yeah, it's getting warmer, so the, the chances are probably increasing as we speak. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's Friday. So Friday. Uh, good times, man. Well, Tim, thanks a lot, man. We appreciate you big time. Thank you. I appreciate you guys and what you're doing for the kingdom. Awesome, man. Thanks. Well, folks, we told you at the beginning, you know, and it, it, it that's a great interview. I wish we would have had a whole lot more time with him, but he had to go to class. So, uh, you know, the, the game, we're going to have
1: me back for something. For the sure. The game could have been more fun. Well, <laughs> you <laughs> okay, sold it, it a as game. a game. You well, sold no, it I didn't as know what to call
0: it. It was just a, it, I just thought it would be like a, you know, fun, but. In my it, mind, that was going to be a, but I didn't realize I was going to get hung up on each one. We could have done the entire <laughs> podcast just on really those two. ten characteristics and talked about each one. We probably could have done a two parter, yeah. on those ten characteristics. Yeah, but uh, but that's a good reason to go grab the book, you know. So
1: uh, it, it was good.
0: Thanks for checking it out, everybody. For for real, good stuff.
1: Yeah, I'll put a link for the book in the show notes, so you can uh, you can grab a copy um, for yourself or for a friend or for both. Uh, but just a just a great, incredible resource for you. I think you know if you're going to be effective in youth ministry over the longer haul, one of the things you're going to have to do is continue to learn and be challenged. And this book does Seriously. that in every yes. way. So, uh, thanks for yeah. tuning in, listening today. Again, don't forget about our our sponsors, uh, aerosport.fun. Smartphones-101.com and YN360. Head over there and check out all their things. And uh, we appreciate you listening and hanging with us today. And we will catch you in the next episode. See ya. Peace out.